Welcome back, Holligans. Thank you, as always, for joining us for another absolutely riveting edition of Movie Hal. This time, my just wonderful co-host Ryan and myself, Joe, are here to talk about... It is... It's beyond words, this movie. Ryan, Ryan picked this one out for us. It is... It's not an American movie. Uh, this, is, this is a Russian movie. It's called Stalker, which apparently is based off a book, which is also what the video game Stalker, and then, oh, I've got, there's other video games that, that have come after that. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole series. Yeah, I've got the last couple of them, I just can't remember their names right now, but this was, this was something that Ryan made me watch. He forced my eyeballs to be subjected mm-hmm. to this. Just like Clockwork Orange. Just, oh, oh, mm, just like Clockwork Orange. So, this is a movie with a very interesting concept. I remember reading the little synopsis of it, you know, before I clicked play to watch it, and thought, oh, this could be interesting. And then... It could be. (laughs) After the first 13 minutes of a man laying in bed, and nothing nothing really (laughs) happening, I said, oh... This is going to be one of those artsy, fartsy style movies. And, yeah. ooh, it was uh, <laughs> it was, was quite little, the experience. Ryan, it how, was did, a, how did you feel after it was you experienced a little this movie? So I was pitched by somebody here at the bar the, um, the book, essentially. Okay. You know, the book goes way more into it. It's way more explicit. It's apparently much more violent. You know, you know exactly what's going on. Whereas this is just, it's a Soviet artsy-fartsy movie from the 70s. And you're right. I was watching I was watching the, the timestamp, and it was, I, I think it was 9 minutes and 34 seconds into this 2-hour and 48-minute movie, whatever it's it was. so long. Before, <laughs> I don't remember if that's the point where the, the main character opens his eyes. Or where he actually begins to... I think it's when he gets out of bed. Like, when he sits up. Yeah. Because you're. it's like a nine-minute thing of, like, panning around their little hovel. Oh, and then, God. you know, the glass on the little side tables jingling because they're close to railroad tracks. And then you see that, you know, the daughter, the wife, and the husband are all in the same bed. Yeah. You know, the implication being that they're poor. They're living very meagerly. But it is kind of visually captivating in a way if they Mm -hmm. sped it up by about four times i think it would do a little bit better because it's it reminds me of of like i was telling you like a wes anderson movie the way he likes to frame things and you know have cameras follow through like a set pat like you know where it's gonna go Mm -hmm. you know where you're supposed to be looking based on how the shot is set up and so okay i guess i'll explain the movie it's a it's a criterion movie too like it's a you know it's like a it's a big deal. <laughs> Essentially, it's like a <laughs> it's historic kind of a, movie. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah, it's up there with like Citizen Kane in terms of, you know, it's part of like this preservation thing. Okay. But the movie is about an unspecified country. They never actually say it's Russia, the Soviet Union, whatever. Uh, but there is an exclusion zone. And they believe that there was some kind of disaster or meteorite impact or something like that in this area. And when they went to investigate, they sent 100 soldiers, I think they said, and none of them returned. So 
eventually they, they realize that there are these strange things happening there and these strange artifacts and they set up this zone and this perimeter to block it so people can't get in there because it's dangerous. And we are following a person known as a stalker, which is somebody who is trained and able to navigate this area safely and guide people in. And he charges money to do that. So in the movie, he is taking in two people and they don't do names. They just, they refer to themselves by like titles. So they've got the writer and the professor who that's what they are, writer and a professor. And they're each going into this zone for their own particular reasons. The writer is, you know, we see him drinking and talking with this woman outside of a bar where they're all meeting up. And then he's kind of talking about throughout the course of this, that, you know, it, there's so much pressure being a writer, you know, there are people after you, there are, you know, your critics always want more or they want to find something to tear you down. The press wants to know when your new thing is coming out. People want to be around you because they think you're this creative, interesting person. And he's saying that there's just a lot of pressure and you never feel good enough. And the professor wants to go in because he thinks it's going to be scientifically significant to go in there and kind of take measurements and find out what's going on. And eventually we come to realize that the university or the organization that he works for, I think it's supposed to be a university, is against it. They have forbidden him from going into this place and doing what he's trying to do. And then the stalker has his own reasons for going in there. And one of the things that happens early on is that his wife throws this fit. And I'm going to stop right here. So there's a scene with the stalker's wife really early on, like right after he gets out of bed for 14 minutes or whatever. <laughs> and she's, you know, she's like, where's my watch? Like, why did you take my watch? Cause we see him do that. Mm -hmm. Like he grabs it off of like the bedpost and he puts it on and then he's getting dressed and doing his thing and like brushing his teeth. And she, she's telling him like, you know, you weren't supposed to do this anymore. You're going to end up back in jail. Like our daughter's just getting used to you. You know, you're supposed to get a normal job and he's just kind of, you know, like every guy in every movie ever, he's just ignoring her like, this is who I am essentially, but not mm -hmm. saying it. And then she has this like fit where she's laying on the ground and like yelling and screaming and crying and like thrashing around and like it is, it's well shot. There are clearly, there's clearly a look that they're going for with this. Clearly. But the way you're, I don't know. I don't think the way you're describing it does it justice. No. Like there's a couple different ways that that could come about when we think about it in, in now terms. Like you've seen TikToks and different things that we have now of people like grown people throwing fits on the ground like children. Like we've seen that. So you kind of know that. And then you've also seen the other ones where it would be like in a situation like that, you'd have in some sort of drama or maybe a romantic comedy or something where some bad thing happens, the the mean boyfriend's breaking up or husband's breaking up with a woman before she goes on her own adventure and, and goes to find love and whatever, where she would, that happens and she like slumps down to the floor and maybe would just start weeping mm -hmm. and just be there kind of in this, this pitiful pile of, of sorrow or the throwing the fit. 
this is kind of in between both those. <laughs> it's like she just kind of starts to do that. And you think she's going to be like all weeby, but then she just like lays out on the floor. And it's re- everything is so slow. It's very exact. Everything is exaggerated. It's almost mime level exaggeration. And she mm. just starts writhing on the floor. It's really weird. It's very art house indie type. It's just what it reminded me of. Yeah, I've noticed. I noticed that that they let every scene play out fully. You know, if they're watching people walk, they are going to walk until they are out of view of that camera. When they are when they're driving down the street in this jeep type vehicle, mm-hmm. the camera stays on that until they are gone, till they are completely out of sight. And then when they're coming back, they're way down the road. They're coming up closer, and then you know that this it changes when they get all the way up, and it's time to like cut so you can hear them talk to each other. I don't. I think it's just to immerse the viewer in the world because there's a lot of detail. That's something mm-hmm. that I really like about it. Like when they get into the 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 zone, that's what they call it, the zone. Mm-hmm. There is so much detail in terms of like what is there and the way the overgrowth has happened. And they're like, there's water in certain areas, and if they'll pan you know they'll like show the characters sitting there and then they'll like pan over the water and you can see like bits of newspaper or like syringes and guns and all this stuff that's like in the water (laughs) i mean there's even a point where they're walking by a military vehicle that's all rusted and overgrown and you can see that there's like a body in it that's holding something like probably holding a gun or whatever and they just stop and kind of like look back at it for a second you know the stalker says something like yeah, remember they sent all these soldiers in here. Like, then none of them ever made it out. And so I'm, I'm curious, <laughs> what do we think about the reasoning behind why these two people were drawn here and why there's people called stalkers? This obviously is one of at least a couple that we know of based on him speaking in the movie about them. But there's like... Not a ton, but you know there's people called stalkers, and they lead individuals to the innermost area of the zone. Yeah. And it's, it's what does it do? It, it's the wish granter. Basically. Like your, yeah. your, the, your innermost design. Not would you walk up, rub a lamp, hey, genie, you know what I want? And you tell them. But it's, it's things that are inside. And it, there are moments in this movie dialogue moments where they're talking about things. One where I believe the stalker guy is talking about this person who went in and he, uh, a, a, a sibling died. A sibling was ill, was dying. Dying. And uh, it's like he, he wanted outwardly, Would you would think from him that he wants the sibling to get better. But then he goes there and they they kind of hint at the fact that or I remember maybe they just said it, that he just gets piles and piles of cash. Like he just gets money. And that's not like that ended up being his innermost desire. Wasn't this altruistic. I want, you know, my sibling to get better. That, that wasn't what it really was. Your innermost desire was this. Right. And I thought there were parts of this. uh, There's a, there's a point in the travel, the traveling where they stop and they like take a rest and, the everybody like lays down to go to sleep in this really it's like seems like the worst place you could possibly do that when the writer or somebody like lays down and 
he's got just this much grass and there's like this swampy water around him. Yeah. Like you couldn't, you, we've seen everything else up till here. You, you couldn't have stopped where it was just the ground. Like right. you had to lay down here. Right. But like you said, it's visually striking. Mm-hmm. There was an interesting color tone in the beginning of this movie yeah. that uh, once they get into the zone, it changes. It's almost like a Wizard of Oz going yes. from yeah, yeah, going from like a black and white or sepia tone now. to yeah, like technicolor. Mm-hmm. And just there was there was them getting into the zone, and they have to like sneak past military people and things that it it really helped heighten kind of what was going on. Now I'll say this out just off tops, and I don't know how you feel about it. Movies like this. The taking nine minutes to wake up, the everything being super slow, watching the car drive away, watching the car come all the way, watching the people walk. I literally hate it. It's just it is such a slog to get through. But I can I can get through things like that if when you're doing the dialogue or if something can happen and, you know, it can really draw you in like the ideas behind this. It makes me want to read the book. Yeah, it does me too. And I, in defense of it a little bit, I think that don't you dare defend this. Don't. I think that some of like the hesitation because you can see it in their body language. Mm-hmm. You know, they have such they have such long shots that you watch the writer kind of walk, and he's like looking back. You know, he's not sure. He's like, where we want to go is right over here. Why wouldn't I just go right there? You know, and he gets up there and they yell like there's a voice that yells for him. And then he comes back and he's like, why'd you call me back? And they're like, we didn't say anything like the zone for some reason warned you. You got lucky. Right. And uh, yeah. And then you see that the professor just does whatever he's told for the most part. Like the professor's like, you know, he's like, walk straight forward, you know, go to where that bolt is, pick it up, go, go over here, do that. And he's part of it is he's tossing these these metal nuts that have like bandages wrapped around them so he can toss them and see if anything's happening because in the book and I think in the games too, there are like temporal anomalies where like time moves differently or maybe it's like much hotter, much colder. There are like threats in that area. And if you toss something through it, it'll it'll kind of activate it. So he's tossing those nuts to see if it's safe. There's even a point where you see like birds flying through this one space and they're like blinking in and out of existence Mm -hmm. because they're like going through something. Yeah, it was some of the stuff that happened in this. I can't deny was super interesting. Like it it just was the idea behind it, having this area that you have to get to because maybe some meteorite fell at something and there's are there creatures in here? Mm -hmm. Are there not? They make it seem like there are, but. Ultimately, like when it comes down to it, you know, brass tacks here, fellas. Literally, nothing happens in this movie. Yeah, literally like not, nothing. That's there's true. no payoff. There's no. It's I mean, like, they they each have their own motives for going there. You know, the stalker mm-hmm. likes doing it. He's like, "This is what I do." He's like, "I can bring hope to people who are desperate." But then the writer's like, "I'm not even going in there. I'm not going to do it." Because he tells him, "You don't have to say anything." It'll just it'll just do it like whatever it is you want. It'll just happen. And he's like, no, I'm not doing it. And I would be the same way. Like I was thinking about it while I was watching it. It's like I would go in there like I want all my family and friends to be taken care of. But when I left, what would really happen is everywhere around the world, stamps would moan when you lick them. 
because that's what my heart really desires. <laughs> oh, I'd be like, I'm I can't put that, that on right everybody. Now. That's so good. <laughs> oh, what a what a visual you have, you have given our Halligans. Oh my gosh, that's so good. Oh my good gravy. I, I don't. <laughs> but yeah, I think I actually I'm gonna I'm gonna say that's where I'm the opposite in the fact that I do it because I'd be curious. Like I don't even know what it is. What what do I really want? Like what is? But I don't even know if I can answer that. What's my heart's most desire? I don't I don't know. So I I might walk in there just for sure sure. Yeah, just for sure, for sheer curiosity. Yeah. Because, you know, like, I, I'd be the cat and maybe I'd die. So be it. It might kill me. But I'd be curious. And maybe I'm saying that because I really wanted one of them to go in and I wanted something to happen. It it almost reminded me of, did you ever see Blair Witch Project? Yes. Okay, so I'm sorry. But anyways, <laughs> I remember going to see that in the theater. And because I had some dumbass friends, we got there super late, and we had to sit in the very front row. And so for that shaky camera thing, I, I don't remember like getting sick or anything myself. I think at least one of the guys who was with us didn't felt ill afterwards, especially because of how close we had to sit. Mm-hmm. But there's a moment in that movie where one of the characters is like, I did it! I kicked the map in the river! And at the point that that's happening... Like all of us in the all there's like maybe seven of us in the front row eight, we are all dying laughing. It's not supposed to be a funny m- moment in the movie. Like it's supposed to be this reveal. Like, I, like it wasn't the forest messing with us. It wasn't whatever. It was I did this, and we're just dying laughing. And I felt like that in this movie when what the professor is there ultimately to do happens. And there's this thing that goes on, and it just ended up being, in my opinion, more comical than it, it wasn't like a shock. It wasn't it wasn't a substitute for something actually happening in this movie. And I don't I just I I don't know what this movie was ultimately about. There were some interesting things that got discussed, some interesting ideas that were bandied back and forth. And I thought some of the getting there and the going through it, and there were parts of it that were very interesting. The the things that they had to do and what was going on and the characters themselves, the stalker, the writer, the professor, that triangle dynamic at times was very interesting. But when it comes down to nothing really happens in the whole movie and they like end up right back in the bar where they started doing like the same thing except they have a dog except they have a dog now it just oh for you to suck away almost three hours of my life (laughs) you could at the bare minimum like give me something back like help a brother out (laughs) i don't even i really i really did have hope for this because i'm not I'm not adverse to watching foreign movies. I'm not adverse to reading subtitles, things like that. Like just because it wasn't made in America or done in English doesn't mean there's not potential to be a very good movie and to challenge you in ways that you normally wouldn't be because mm-hmm. it's, it's so outside of your cultural point of reference. Right. So that can be really good. But this movie just 
it did not hit the mark for me. I wanted it to. I wanted it to so bad. But after that first, it's like 20 minutes of him trying to just get up. It's basically 20 minutes of him trying to get up and leave to go to work, where out of 15 minutes of it, nothing really happens. Yeah, I was. it's like a football game. Like in an average football game, there's like really, but football's entertaining. There's like four minutes of actual play. Oh, the rest yeah. of it is lining up and you know huddles and <sighs> yeah, I I would agree. It's I don't know what it is. It's it may be really good for what it is, but I don't know. I don't know what that is supposed to be. <laughs> so I would not. I I'll go ahead and skip to the end here. I do not recommend watching this. It's it's a very conceptually interesting and it seems to be like an exploration of like who these people are and what brought them to this point like this point where they thought they needed to do this thing and get to this wish grantor um and it still leaves a lot of questions you know there's Mm -hmm. stuff with the stalker's daughter there's stuff that you see in their home at the end that you did not see in the beginning Mm -hmm. where, where things are like kind of different the way the wife is dressed is significantly different so I don't know. I think it's one of those things where you probably need to read the book to get more out of it. But I don't know how much the book is based on this versus how much it maybe just inspired it. Or how but, much this is based on the book. Right. Right. Well, you said the book based on this. so. Oh, well, yeah. yeah whatever. You meant, we meant the other. I meant the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how much of this is like taken straight from it versus mm-hmm. how much of it is like, what if we made an artsy-fartsy movie that takes place in this <laughs> world? You know, instead of having like Iron Man go off to fight the bad guys and you're with him, instead you stay with Gwyneth Paltrow or whatever her name is as she like screams on the floor. <laughs> God. I will say, and I could not talk about this movie and not bring it up, the sound in this movie was really amazing. Like I would have I could have really enjoyed and I enjoyed it just and I watched it basically on my phone. And even the sound coming just out of my little tiny phone speaker, the way they did the sound effects in this was really interesting. Everything was was it was almost hypnotic the way they did it. And I could imagine if you were able to sit in my living room with my nice television, and I don't have a nice surround sound speaker system. Uh, I wish I did. I haven't had one of those in a minute, but it. There are times that I'm reminded of how much I miss that and how important the sound aspect to your entire movie-going experience can be. And that would have been, in and of itself, very interesting because I really did enjoy the sound work that was done on this movie. Like, I don't know exactly what it was about it, but it was very deliberate. Kind of like in a Wes Anderson movie, you know everything you're watching is deliberate. Yeah, that they did this. They the camera was this way, and that everything is very super deliberate in uh, the artistry of it. And I felt that in this movie as well that that they they did exactly what they wanted to do with this. I just don't think I liked what it was that they did. I don't want to want to break any hearts uh, for the our Russian fans out in you know uh, Halligan Land, but. Uh, Maybe you all have seen it. Maybe you have a different opinion of it. And you're, we, we, are we missing something here with Stalker? Could you all, like, I know some of you, a lot of the millions and millions of listeners we have, obviously, mm-hmm. that some of you could hit us up and say, hey, this was really about this. And, and you guys just missed the mark on it. Maybe we did. I don't know. But maybe, besides- be- I don't know. Maybe because it's a Soviet movie, 
It's about like contentment with what you have. Like be happy with where you are. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I can dig that and I can see why that could be an important theme running through this movie and out of anything. If I think there is a part of this that that, that could kind of be said that that's what this movie is about. Mm-hmm. Being content with what is already there. But just overall, the way this movie is, the way it drags. This is this was a tough one to get through, Halligans. I, I am sorry. I have to absolutely have to call this not a watch. I am I don't want to do it. I hate doing it, but every now and again I gotta I gotta say no. Yep. Same for me. I actually am really glad that I watched it. And it's kind of funny to talk about, but yeah, I would not recommend that you do it. It is not a good use of three hours of your time. I watched it on my like secondary cheapo laptop that I use for very specific purposes that I got like for nothing on eBay. So the experience could have been better, you know, in terms of sound and picture and all that. But it's like, I'm glad I did it that way. I'm glad I did not spend the time to like set everything up and like hook my headphones up to the TV and just like be in it. I mean, I did pay attention to it closely the whole time, but I'm glad that I was like available for other things. I wasn't shut off to the world for three hours. Yeah. I think there's, there's some interesting things that happen in the movie. And I think the idea behind it is very clever. I just don't think in this particular instance, it was well done. And depending on how the book is, there could be potential to do this in a more true-to-the-book light. And like we've talked about before on this channel, this could be something, because it's a book, that is just just ready to be brought in series form to a Prime or a Netflix or a Hulu or something. You know, a Paramount studio. There's so many different ones now that maybe maybe somebody could pick it up and actually try to be more accurate as far as how the book is and it, it could take the themes and the things that might happen in the book that we don't know about because we haven't read it that may end up being much more interesting than what we were given with this movie. That could be great. Like it, uh, we, we need things that aren't rehashed. We need mm-hmm. new stories, new characters, new heroes and villains. We need all that. You can't keep doing the same ones over and over again and keep expecting it to work. People are just going to get sick of it eventually. Like, I'm yeah. getting sick of the MCU. Like, I know there's a couple of Marvel movies. I know the Wakanda Forever's coming out. And what, Guardians 3, we mentioned last night, that, that maybe yeah. that's one that's coming out. But I just I just don't care. Yeah, I don't care either. We need something new. And for a while, Marvel gave us something new. But everything, you know, ebbs and flows... And something else will will come around, maybe. Because I think the movie landscape in general is changing. And I, I think a lot of things just could be better served bringing them to a series where you can flesh things out more, where you're not rushed, where you've mm-hmm. got 10, 12 episodes that are an hour apiece. Like, could you imagine sitting down and watching... A 12-hour movie? You can't do that. But people do do that when they binge-watch Ozark and Breaking Bad and things like that. That's yeah. what you're doing. You're taking all that time, and you will spend 10, 12 hours of your day just, oh, my God, what? how many episodes did I get through? It's what time in the morning? And that's just the way it works nowadays. So, yep. 
Sorry, Halligans, if this wasn't this wasn't a rave review for this one. There was so much to this. It's just some was interesting, but so much of it I just I just hated. <laughs> it just it just couldn't overpower the uh, the interesting things that I did like. Could not come close to overpowering the what I did not like about this movie. Yeah, yeah, it was a rough one. So I won't be accepting uh, recommendations from that particular person anymore. I don't think. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait till they hear this episode of ours. It's all right. <laughs> Have I'm fun dealing with that. Yeah. yeah. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. I'll get over it. <laughs> It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, if you guys know any other artsy fartsy movies that are maybe good and, you know, not that don't feel like they're just wasting our time because the guy had a higher budget for film than he needed. <laughs> you can let us know about that. You can email us at moviehowl at gmail.com or get in touch with us on Twitter at moviehowl. You certainly can do that. It just reminds me of, uh, we've, we've sat down for a couple of other artsy fartsy movies. Nomadland was one. And what was that Jared Leto one that we watched? Oh, you know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. It was, mm. I don't Mr. Mr. Nobody? I think it was, yeah, Mr. Nobody or something like that. Let me see. Something like that. Yep, Mr. Nobody. Yep. You're right. So uh, we, we've, we've, we've done some artsy-fartsy stuff. You have another one? If you send it to us, we will watch it. We will suffer through it absolutely just for you all. But for right now, uh, I, I'm hitting us for our next movie is going to be uh, a Simon Pegg romantic comedy that I believe is called Man Up. That's going to be hmm. what's next in line. And I know how Ryan is. I mean, he tries to say he's not, but he's a really like under underground fan of the romantic comedies. So this should be a, a nice hidden gem for him. Mm, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You sound thrilled. I mean, I did watch the proposal twice in the last two days because it keeps showing on the bar TV. So oh, maybe, nice. maybe I'm getting into it. Yeah. Get yourself ready. So that's what's next. I don't know when we're going to get to it, but but we will get to it. As always, thank you so much, Halligans. We love doing this. We hope you enjoy listening. As he said, you know where to hit us up. Until then, I've been Joe. I've been Ryan, but I'm going to force you to listen to my echoing footsteps as I walk away for five minutes from the microphone. All right, five minutes it is. Joe, Ryan, we're out. I hear it. I hear the footsteps. Do you hear them? <laughs> Thanks again, Halligans. Until next time.